Welcome into a brand new edition of Believe in Heels Hoops here on the Believe Podcast Network. So I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my co-host, R.L. Bynum from the Tar Hill Tribune. You can catch us every week in season uh, during the, the 2023-24 uh, basketball season for the North Carolina Tar Hills. We are your source for all info regarding them. Special guest host Pete Chilcutt in the house joining us again this week. Um, weird week. Uh, well, just weird stretch of games that Carolina's had here uh, surrounding the Duke game. I feel like the last two episodes we've had, we've come in after a loss. I think that's right. Um, so, which is a little different from the when we first started the podcast every week, we were talking about wins and stuff. Um, let's just get into this here from last night. I had the misfortune of I thought I could make it through the evening without finding out the the result because I had to work last night. I had to call basketball games, and I got done right around nine nine fifteen, and I had successfully avoided Facebook. I had avoided Twitter. I had no idea what was going on with the game. Um, and then one of my friends, one of my idiot friends, messages me on my phone. And it's like, uh, oh, so Carolina lost tonight, huh? I'm just like, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> then, and then so then I had to go to Facebook. I go to Facebook and there's a group I uh, monitor in there. And somebody else had posted on a previous post I had posted, you know, joking about Carolina losing. I'm not even home yet. I'm still, you know, 10 minutes away from my house. So I haven't even got to watch the game. And uh, I'm telling they're like, don't even watch it. Uh, Syracuse shot out the roof. They were making circus shots. They just saved you time. You don't have to watch them. Like, no, you don't understand. I have to do a pod on this at 1130 in the morning. <laughs> I have to watch it now. But now I'm watching it knowing we lost. So oh, it's a completely different feeling going into it, waiting for the bottom to fall out. You just don't know where it is <laughs> in the game. And that's kind of kind of how the game was. And I found myself kind of cheering a little bit during the game when they were coming back in the second half and forgetting that they were going to lose this game. Um, Pete, you called this game. Uh, for for the Tar Heel uh, Radio Network, correct? So, being in that building, what do you think was the major difference between the last time we saw Syracuse, where we blew them out by thirty some points in the Dean Dome, to last night? Yeah, well, I talked a little bit in the pregame. You know, uh, this league is, is doesn't get a lot of respect sometimes, but you know, top to bottom, you know, there's good teams in this league, and uh, there's dangerous teams at home. <laughs> And, it, it, you know, they hadn't been playing well. They had lost a, a few, um, maybe would be considered struggling in the league. But uh, when you get a home team uh, that, that's, that had a little bit of a edge on them because what we did last time, um, they came out unafraid and ready to prove that they kind of weren't that t- kind of team. And, um, and it, from the get-go, and, and that's the thing that a little concerning last, you know, few games, that from the get-go, these teams were jumping on us Um and, and getting getting kind of a, a good start. And I had mentioned in the pregame, you uh, this is the kind of team you want to stomp on at the beginning to kind of get their confidence shook in a little bit. Um, and then from the get-go, and uh, it was just rough. And, and that, that I was, I kept on thinking, that well, they can't keep on hitting these shots. And then they kept on hitting these shots. And uh, it felt like we, for better or worse, in the first half, were doing a pretty good job contesting the shots. But then it also felt like those were the shots that Syracuse wanted to get. Uh, you know, when a team is getting the shots they want and then making them, we got you got to almost figure out how. Okay, how do you make them uncomfortable at, at some point? And we, you know, squished up some stuff in the second half. But by then they had that momentum and they were they kept on hitting those shots. I mean, it was just a very tough night for us defensively. Uh, I think the undersized guards were kind of exposed a little bit. They were in front of those guys a lot of times. Just they couldn't challenge those shots. Um, so. Just, just a tough night overall for us defensively, for sure. 
RL, I thought it was peculiar. I mean, it, granted, it was working, but I don't know if it was working as effectively as the other way around, where it felt like Hubert made a switch and had Elliot Cadeau right there at the free throw line in the, in the soft spot of that 2-3 zone, where the previous game it was Harrison Ingram. And Ingram, if I'm not saying like a crew night or something that night, um, playing Syracuse when we were blowing him out. This game, for whatever reason, they switched it to Cadeau, and sometimes it would work, but sometimes it was almost like he was too small to play that spot. And it's like Syracuse kind of figured it out a little bit in the second half. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, and why do you think they had Cadeau there instead of Ingram? Because Ingram was kind of posted out uh, past the three-point line. Yeah, initially it looked like it was a good idea. Obviously, that's the way to beat a Syracuse zone. And, boy, we thought we were done with that when Behan retired. But uh, I, I kind of like rather have uh, Elliott driving um, from the perimeter than positioned in the middle like that. So I, I'm not so sure it worked out as well as, as it initially looked looked like it was working. The um so Mark Fault, 19-6 overall, eleven and three in conference play, still atop to the conference. Uh they're half a game ahead of Duke. Uh we'll show the standings here in just a bit because there's a whole lot of movement mm -hmm. uh underneath Carolina as the, the rest of the pack is starting to catch up here. Uh Judah Mintz had 25 points, 16 in the second half. JJ Starling had 23 points. Um I thought he played one of the better games probably this career. Uh, he just looked really comfortable. Uh, I knew I, I knew it was a wrap when he hit that uh, bank shot three pointer with uh, <laughs> with the shot clock expiring. I was like, oh, so it's one of those games <laughs> where like everything they throw up is going to go in, and pretty much everything did. They shot sixty three percent from the field for the game and forty seven percent from three as a team. So a lot of times, you know, people want to joke about Carolina losing, but that's going to beat a lot of teams. Uh, if you're doing that, like for this, the 47% from three alone was enough. Uh, and Carolina dug themselves a hole. They missed the first 10 shots of the second half. So they didn't make it easy on themselves at all. So uh, I feel like they, they deserve to lose that game. They deserve to lose that game. They deserve to lose the Georgia tech game. Um, they just, I don't, what do you think it is? Right, so let's get to that part here. Do you, do you think there's anything to be concerned about? Cause although they've lost three of their past five, those combined three losses are about what, like eight points, 10 points, something like that between all three of them. So is, is it time to push the panic button in Chapel Hill or is it just the ACC is better than what people have been talking about throughout the year? So when these when these losses happen, we're more shocked than we probably should be. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Pete? Like in terms of yeah. where the Tar Heels are right now? Panic? Nope, no panic button uh, for sure. But you know, last time I was, hey, I wasn't concerned. I, I think I'm more concerned now, just from the standpoint of uh, you wouldn't expect some of these starts uh, from a, a senior, experience based team. So, coming out uh, flat at home, um, hey, maybe that was a one off. But coming out on the on the road against a team that you kind of know what to expect from and have scouted them and played them before, and just coming out and you said it earlier, uh, those, their whole team looked very comfortable out there. And, and that's never a good thing when you're playing against a team, uh, especially with a team with, with explosive scores. They look very comfortable. As I mentioned, they were getting that, that high screen for that elbow jump shot, which I thought was defended well, but that was what they were trying to get, and they were getting it. So uh, when the team's getting what they want and hitting those shots, um, and you're the team that's, that's obviously uh, – supposed to be the defensive-minded team that's going to be tough and scrappy. Uh, I was a little disappointed that we weren't able to get them out of that part and 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 concerned, yeah, a little bit concerned that we can't 
uh, we can't get some of those big, big stops like we did earlier in the season, uh, big plays down the stretch. Uh, we do have a little bit of a home back at home feeling going on here. I think the, the last uh, uh, we have a road game at Virginia, uh, you know, some tough home games um, for sure. But um, I think that'll be a little bit better for us getting into some of this stuff. But yeah, there, there's a little more concern now just because of of uh, you know once is is a, is maybe an accident, but more than once or twice, then you're talking about maybe this is uh, something we need to kind of pay attention to. And I think they will. I think they will. But, uh, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. They got to go out there and do it now. Yeah, I have, I have concerns about the defense, quite yeah. frankly. I mean, the, the team is looks capable of making a deep run in March if they play well on defense, uh, even if they aren't that efficient on, on offense. But that wasn't the look he saw last night. And that's not the look you've been seeing recently. And um, anybody watching the heels can tell the Defense has, has gotten worse, but the, look at some of these numbers, though. Uh, nearly three weeks ago, Carolina was giving up 89.1 points per 100 possessions. Now it's 96.6 since then. And then the eight games uh, before the loss to Georgia Tech, Carolina had the second best adjusted defensive efficiency rating, according to Bart Torvik. In the last five games, it's 129. I mean, it's just it's just dropping off amazingly. What do you, last think, night, what do you think causes that, though? Is it just as simple as not having Seth Trouble for some of those games, and he's one of the better perimeter defenders? I I think the ball screen defense has got to get better. I mean, Syracuse was uh, killing the heels on the pick and roll last night, beating them one on one. They they got to figure that out. I mean, uh, having Seth back should help, but I guess he's. He only played what eleven minutes last night, and he's got to yeah. work himself back into it. What and did you do you know what exactly the injury was? Are they just like an upper injury or something. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know what it was, and uh, he had banged into uh, Oconco during the practice, um, and there were some ill effects from that. And I don't know if I'm yeah. allowed to release exactly what it was, but they were, it was more precautionary, uh, making sure he felt hundred um, percent before he came back. So uh, I, 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 he also became a, one of the best players in Carolina history when he was out because he was the reason we were struggling. <laughs> um, and I do love Seth and I love what he brings off the bench, uh, but he by no means uh, gets the blame for any of this stuff or, or, you know, when we play well defensively, you know, it's usually a team, you know, he does a great job individually, but uh, as Ariel was saying, I think our, our defense as a whole has got a way to get a little bit more nastier and tougher um, on some of those things, especially every team's doing a high pick and roll. I mean, they're all doing it. And, um, and, and it often, often they're bringing up Armando up there to make him do the switch or, or the show and, and, and that's what they want. So again, we we got to find a way to take away things that they want to do. We can't just keep on letting them do that. That's that's for sure. One of the things we got to work on. The- for, for Seth, it does, that Carolina hasn't said it, but it pretty much sounds like it was a concussion. Okay, because he at first I didn't think he was playing last night, and then I saw him in the second half. So I, I don't remember him really being in there in the first half, and he, and then he popped up in the second. Half. I'm like, oh, Seth is playing tonight. So uh, even if he was out there in the first half, it wasn't much of an impact or anything like that. Um, sometimes you just have a bad night and see, that's another thing too. I'm kind of concerned more that I'm not concerned because it feels like the losses Carolina's had, they weren't exactly like bad nights for Carolina so much. The Georgia tech one though, they just missed all the free throws and couldn't hit any threes. Basically that seems to be the formula to beat this Carolina team. 
uh, if they just can't hit their shots <laughs> or you hit everything that you throw up. Um, so it's almost all or nothing. But I, I'm a little concerned about uh, the aggressiveness off and on of Armando Baycott. Because like it feels like if, if when you have a game where Baycott is super aggressive from the very beginning and the whole team is like, let's dump it into Baycott uh, from the jump and, and kind of get him motivated and going, then they kind of turn into that rolling downhill offense, scoring 90 points and that kind of thing, and the defense kind of picks up from it. Uh, when you have to find him like in the game like and start forcing it to him because you weren't earlier, that's when it seems like the offense kind of stagnates a little bit. And that's something where that's really more Armando than anything else. Like, I mean, he's – you're going to get 14, 16 points or whatever being out there. But I think it's better when it's aggressive Armando scoring 18 than just, you know, passive Armando kind of out there and deferring to RJ and everyone else and scoring 12 or 14 throughout the game. Um, he seems to be bothered. He seemed to be bothered last night about the zone, which is unusual because Baycott typically has pretty good games against Syracuse. They didn't really do anything differently defensively. It just I don't know. It was just weird. It feels like the past couple of times we've seen Syracuse, we kind of knew what to do with the 2-3 zone. And last night it felt like we just forgot <laughs> like how to play against it. So I don't know what to do with that, to be honest. Um, it's, a, it's a weird conference. It's a weird conference because I'm seeing stuff like the Mountain West might get six teams into the NCAA tournament. And I'm sitting there looking at the ACC as I try to pull up the um, – the current standings here i'm looking at the acc trying to figure out what in the world is going on because now i'm looking at the top of the standings here you got carolina at 11 and 3 duke right behind them at 10 and 3 and then you have this glut right after that with uh syracuse wake pitt who pitt beat virginia last night uh which was a bit of a surprise florida state's in the mix Clemson's still lurking back there. Uh, Miami, kind of. We see Virginia Tech on Saturday. Who knows what's going to happen there? Out of that group there, if you had to pick a team outside of the top two, Carolina and Duke, if you had to pick a team to make it to championship Saturday in the ACC tournament as it stands right now from Miami up on those standings, who would you want to ride with? Because all of them are intriguing. All of them have pluses and minuses, but uh, – it feels like there's a number of tournament teams in here. I don't think all of them are going to get in, but matter of fact, I didn't realize Pitt's up to five uh, <laughs> in the well, kind of top with NC State. But who would you pick, Pete? Out of all, if, take away Carolina, take away Duke. Who would you pick to be your most likely suspect to show up on Championship Saturday out of this pack of six, seven teams? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. I, I haven't seen Virginia yet. I know they've been playing extremely well. Um, if, if I'm allowed to pick them. Just based on what I've, I know, they're on a kind of a roll. Um, but I also like I like Clemson. I, I like how Clemson's kind of set up with their with their strong post uh, presence down there with those couple guys and, and some good guard play. Uh, I'd probably pick. I probably was would go with Virginia just because they seem like they're always they're kind of getting back to their old their old ways. With that. I mean, they beat I think it was Miami had like thirty eight points in the game or something. So yeah. If they're playing defense like that again, you know that's always a tough, uh, a tough uh, game. And I think Clemson is always pretty solid, especially this year with their with their post play. So that's a good question, though. The only the only thing I'm worried about with Virginia is, of course, they're scoring. They've always had issues scoring with that defense, except for 2019 when they won it all. But they actually had, you know, first round NBA draft picks playing um, at that point, multiple ones uh, when they won the national championship. RL, when you look at that group, excluding Carolina and Duke. Who's the one team you think might have the best shot to get the ACC championship Saturday night? 
I, I, I'd got to go with Virginia because uh, Tony, never doubt Tony Bennett. I mean, earlier in the season, they didn't look good. They didn't look that great last night against Pittsburgh, but uh, I would have to think Virginia would be the one to, other than Carolina or Duke, who, who, who might make it to uh, Saturday night in Washington. Um, and as far as uh, how many teams the ACC gets, all the projections now say four, Carolina, Duke, Clemson, and Virginia. Uh, you would like to think that some of these – somebody else would slip in, but I just don't know who that would be. Who did Maybe Clemson? Wake Forest? I would think – well, Wake doesn't really have any non-conference wins. They, they're going to have to beat Duke or somebody maybe this week to get a, a, a quality – you know, quad one. I, I keep seeing Clemson pop up too. Did Clemson beat somebody earlier in the in the non-conference slate to keep their name floating here? Because I can't really recall, other than Carolina. Uh, I can't did we beat Alabama? Alabama. We beat Alabama too. Uh, we actually, was it Alabama? Yeah, because we they were undefeated when we saw them on it. No, it wasn't Alabama. Um, was it? <laughs> I can't remember. No. It was back in December. Um, but I'm just sort of looking at our standings. I understand state hasn't really defeated anyone for a major signature win. That's their knock. Uh, same with Florida state. Uh, Clemson has a couple of signature wins, which is why they're still floating in there. But in the conference, they're already, they're six and six and they're sitting seventh place. So it's, it's kind of weird. And then, then you got Pitt, who's won four straight. They just knocked off a ranked top 25 team in Virginia. They beat Duke. They have they have some quality wins. If Pitt stays on a roll here, honestly, I might go with Pitt. Um, they're a really rugged team. I, I like the way they play defense. Uh, Capel has them playing pretty well. It's the time of the year you want to kind of go upwards as opposed to plateau out or going the other way. And it feels like Pitt's kind of trying to figure some stuff out. And they can kind of have a say in what uh, happens in the ACC going forward. They're 2-2 two and two against top 25 teams. Um and realize Carolina's five and two against AP top 25 teams. So, um, and I thought I saw a stat last night where Carolina and I think Creighton are the only two teams that have six uh, conference road wins in the country uh, right now. So um, the fact that top 10 teams keep losing on the road to unranked teams this year, what do you guys think that says about the state of college basketball as a whole? Cause it does feel like the past couple of years we've moved away from having juggernauts to like almost having like mid majors, you're worried about some mid majors that might go on, you know, sweet 16 runs, which would be absurd. Like 20 years ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on the state of college basketball today and what you're seeing where it feels like a top 10 team loses like every other night? No, no doubt. I think, I think uh, if you're not Connecticut, that's the only team I feel really confident with that they're going to show up every night. Purdue, uh, everyone else, it, it seems like there's any given night uh, you don't come and, and bring it against any of these teams, um, you might have a chance of losing. So yeah, I think the parity is, is un, undeniable in that in that sense. Um, and uh, e even that you know Purdue's probably closer to UConn than the pack, but I think once you get past those two. Just, just what we've seen has proven the fact that there's no, there's no consistency in, in that top ten as far as dom dominating any of their opponents. So, who do you trust, RL? Uh, I mean, or do you? Because <laughs> we no, lost Carolina a couple you, weeks ago. Now I don't know if I trust Carolina. <laughs> UConn would probably be the only one, and they've they've had uh, close games that you didn't expect as well. But 
this is the kind of season where, you know, last season it was Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. I would not be surprised at all if you have a team that nobody is talking about right now makes the Final Four just because of this trend of uh, top 10 teams losing to unranked teams. Um, so who that might be, I don't know. Uh, it could have be somebody like Indiana State. Who knows? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know, I had mentioned when we were playing so well with that big streak that we needed to lose some games. And I really do believe in the end this could help us in the end because we could be that team that gets hot again back in, in, uh, in March. So it, it's going to be like like RL said, it can be any amount of a number of teams that just gets hot at the right time. Um, once you get past those, those initial two, there, there'll be two other guys in the final four that maybe we don't uh, expect. And I know there's some Duke fans out there praying for Carolina's downfall and that they're not back and yada, yada, yada. This Carolina team is better than the previous two iterations of Carolina. So I'm not really worried about them falling off or anything like that. They have the resume. They've shown that. I mean, they're a clear lock for a two seed right now. And depending on what they do in the next two weeks, they can still – I think there's like four teams that are fighting for two one seeds because, like y'all said, Purdue and UConn seem to be locks on the one line. But then after that, you've got – Carolina, uh, Tennessee, Arizona. Arizona. Um, I'm missing one. Um, I don't know if I put Duke on the on that in that group of four. Um, what did I say? Tennessee, Carolina, Arizona, Kansas. Maybe I don't know. But there, there's two. Or, there's three or four teams that are like right there that have been just kind of. They get to number three. They lose. They fall like seven. They win a couple of games, they lose, but they stay around the top 10. Even with this loss uh, last night for Carolina, I don't really expect them to fall much further than 10 or 11, if even that, depending on what happens against Virginia Tech on uh, on Saturday. So uh, the rankings don't really mean anything at this point in the middle of February. It's really more about uh, do you know what you have? Like, what are you? Do you have an identity? That kind of thing. And I think Carolina does. I do think not having Seth Tribble uh, messed up the rotation a little bit. Because one of the things I, I realized during that streak, we were really healthy. Uh, we didn't really have any injuries during that streak of, of winning. So so even if it's somebody on the bench, like the first guy off the bench, whoever gets hurt, it kind of disrupts the rotation a little bit because Paxson Wojcik kind of fell off the rotation for a little bit there. And then you have to stick him back in. And it kind of just made shifts different. It made like combos different. And then you, ha- you saw them trying to get him back into gameplay last night, but he still didn't really play very much. So – I'm not saying he's the like people say. I'm not saying he's the reason why we've lost all these games, um, but I do think him being an important part of the bench and not being there and you take that out that has to bother chemistry a little bit. And I think Carolina overlooked some of these teams. I think that after the Duke win, I think they looked at it like they could kind of just walk into a game and pick it up when they wanted to. And we had raved about how they were a second half team and they would come out and boom hit the gas in the second half. And we haven't really seen that in the past. Uh, a couple of games, although last night they did uh, get the get the game tied at 64 apiece in the second half uh, with a push after missing their first 10 shots. So they didn't make it easy on themselves by any means. Um, they have. I noticed, I noticed that uh, Hubert Davis has re- was playing the bench more for a long period of time, but he seems to be reverting back to his tendency of playing a short bench. There were three mm-hmm. starters, Ryan, RJ, and Harrison Ingram, Played all 20 minutes of the second half. And, you know, this this is a second straight game where the Tar Heels haven't executed in the final minutes. And they survived it at Miami, couldn't survive it last night in Syracuse. 
And you wonder if if uh, the guys are getting tired at the end. I mean, mm. Ryan played all 40 minutes, and he had three turnovers in the last two minutes. I, I did notice that some of their jumpers, Cadeau in particular, were short, like front of the rim type stuff. Um, and a lot of times, to me, that that's an indication of tired legs that you know you're not getting the ball there. Um, I didn't think about that in terms of not him not using the bench the same way he was during the win streak because guys like uh, did Jalen Winters play last night? I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, about he did. He played yeah. well in uh, in Washington. I mean, they played short minutes, but I mean, they both scored pretty well and hit some decent. Uh, Washington had a big a big three, a big rebound, yeah, like a big stop. So. Uh, I'm kind of with Ariel on that one. I like to see those guys get some more time, especially if for no other reason to give the guys a little bit of a break uh, for that push in, in the final minutes. But uh, it's been a little bit tight. You know, I noticed when the games are tighter, if there's ever a, a, a lead, he'll sub a little bit more. But if it's a tight game kind of throughout, there's a little bit less of that subbing going on. But, uh, yeah, we'll see going forward. That could be a big part of how far we go. You're, you know what? You're absolutely right. His pattern with substitutions, usually like first half, if they're up five, six, he'll bring in uh, Winters, he'll bring in Washington, he'll bring in Wojcik and give the starters a little bit of a breather. And a lot of times the bench will hold the lead um, before the starters get back in. Uh, he rarely does it when they're down or when they're trying to climb back into a game. Uh, and it may very well be that those guys got those minutes last night because they were in a hole most of the game. And uh, that's most of your scoring right there. And Cormac scored what was it, 18 last night? Uh, RJ had 19. And um, Armando and Harrison Ingram both chipped in 14 apiece. Again, I think this team goes as far as Armando Baycott takes him. Um, you're back for a reason. I don't think it was to be a complimentary player. Uh, I need you, like, it's 17, 18 a game uh, going forward. Like, demand the ball. Like, I mean, that's why you're here. Like, literally, that's – and the offense probably should run through him a little bit. Uh, RJ is going to get his shots regardless. Like you don't have to really worry about catering to get RJ his shots. Like that's not really RJ's game. RJ, RJ can get hot and score eight straight real quick. You know, three minute stretch or whatever. Don't worry about him. You have to make offense for Armando. He can't create it for himself. You've got to run it through him. And when you do there that, one, there was one particular possession toward the end of the game where they got the ball inside the Mado, and I'm thinking, okay, make a move, score, and he tossed it back out to the perimeter. Yeah, and and that that was one of those occasions where you know you got a height advantage. Uh, Carolina needs a bucket here. Go get it. And I I didn't really understand why he tossed it back out. It's almost like mentally, for whatever reason, that zone was bothering him last yeah. night where he wasn't being yeah. aggressive. Um, and it's just weird because he's played Syracuse now five years. Uh, he knows what it is. <laughs> I'm like, he knows what, it, I mean, they've kind of figured it out. Like, you know, the Carolina is the one team. I was like, well, they kind of know how to play the two, three, the Syracuse version of it. Anyway, they kind of know what to do. And um, maybe yeah. they, just, I mean, they beat him by 36 last time they saw him. Maybe they just came into it thinking, Oh, this team is garbage. We'll, we'll be fine. And they just got, they hit a hot team again. You, you're not going to beat a whole lot of teams shooting 47% from three uh, for the night. And, 63% from the field, and you miss your first 10 shots of the second half. I mean, you're lucky to get as tied up <laughs> when you did in the second. So everyone just kind of relax, calm down. It's going to be okay. Um, shout out to the multiple people that ruined my evening last night on the drive home. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I thought I could make it home without finding out the result, even though I was five minutes away from my house, and it, I still couldn't get back to the house <laughs> before somebody ruined it for me. So thank you to everyone that texted me and uh, joked with me and everything else about Carolina losing. 
Uh, fun fact, since the ACC expanded to 20-game conference schedule, no team has won the regular season with less than four losses. So I don't think anybody sitting up here thought Carolina was going to go 20-0 and uh, in ACC play. Um, so it's no big deal. Um, you know, still top of the standings. Now, if they lose to Virginia Tech at home on Saturday, I might press the panic button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're on the verge. Our finger is on it, but we haven't pressed it yet. So um, let's stop it right there. What do you expect to see Saturday, uh, guys, in, in the Dean Dome? Um, I haven't seen Virginia Tech this year either. Um, what are you guys looking forward to? What's a key to that game for you for Carolina? What's something that they need to do to show you that they're kind of right in the ship? I need a quick start. I need I need them to limit Virginia Tech's runs. I need a I need a dominating win to be honest. Just because of where we where we have been lately, I need something that proves to me these guys are are buying back in and, and we're going to lock some teams down. And, and it it just starts with who uh, who is ever next. And uh, to me, it's, that's going to be a big one. If we if we squeak out a win by you know five six points or you know have a bit we lose, then then that button is getting pushed, uh, especially if we lose. But I think I think I need a dominating, convincing win to kind of get me back on the on the page that this team can do it defensively and that we're all on the same page offensively. So that's what I need. Right. Yeah, the quick the quick start is, is big. And then and also you look back at the Miami game, you got a quick start, but you gave it up. Second half, you got a big lead, gave it up. Yep. They need to to you know get finish teams off kind of like they did in the home game against Syracuse. But it will also be interesting on Saturday. Tyler Nickel has been starting for Virginia Tech, and you know he's going to be motivated coming back Ooh. to the Smith Center. And and you also know he's got the ability to to hit a bunch of perimeter shots. So oh, that, that'll be a really interesting dynamic on Saturday. That's right. the script right there because that usually – you if, some, if somebody comes into Carolina and they score 30 points or whatever and they're just red hot from three or keeping their team in the game, it's usually somebody that either was in the state of North Carolina playing high school ball and didn't get recruited by Carolina or something happened and they're from Charlotte and just never got a look. This is he played here um, and transplant kind of got, you know, not shoot out, but well, actually with Tyler, I think it was more of a he chose to go back to Virginia. It was a family situation or something to that effect. Otherwise, I think he might actually be on this roster. But um, yeah, I could see him coming in and and hitting five threes or something nuts on yeah. Saturday. I need to see the defense that we were seeing uh, coming out of December, early January, where th they were holding teams to under 70 points and they, they took pride in it. Remember Armando was saying, to Hubert that, you know, we're actually having fun playing defense. Like I actually look forward to playing defense this year as opposed to something we have to do. Like I want to do it. I don't think they've, they've been doing that the past like week or two. They've lost that somewhere along the way. And I need that back. If they can get back to the defense they were on before, the offense and everything will take care of itself. I'm not worried about that. But let's see the defense get back to where it was a couple of weeks ago and uh, go from there. Carolina taking on Virginia Tech. Saturday at the Dean Dome. It is a two o'clock tip off, if I'm not mistaken, on the ACC network. Uh, everybody's in action Saturday in the ACC. Yeah, it's kind of become a must win. Carolina can't drop another game. Um, they drop another game. Duke takes over first place uh, in the standings. They'll be not up with Virginia. They've got Virginia coming up here soon as well. So uh, it's kind of turned into a must win situation all of a sudden for Carolina. So uh, tune in for that. We'll be back next week to recap. The week in Hills Hoops uh, here on the uh, Believe Podcast Network. And um, oh, I keep forgetting to I keep forgetting to do the read. I'm supposed to do it in the first two minutes. I'm just going to do it in the last two um, <laughs> with the NFL playoffs ending 
and the NBA season in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And that's where we'll actually end, uh, believe in Hills Hoops for today. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Uh, enjoy it with your loved ones. Uh, R.L. Bynum, Pete Chilcutt, I'm Desmond Johnson. You've been watching and listening to Believe and Hills Hoops podcast here on Believe Podcast Networks.